Hello and welcome to the next instalment of MediaTel Conversations, a podcast brought to you by MediaTel. Our aim is to bring you the biggest names in the media industry to discuss the most important news topics of the day, as well as allow them to tell their story. This week, the co-founder and managing partner of MTM, John Watts, moderates a panel discussion on how broadcasters can increase their digital market share and revenues and what they should prioritize during the next 18 months. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Broadcasters Digital Revenues Panel, as we're colloquially calling this. We're delighted to have a fantastic panel of industry advisors, experts, gurus, and senior execs here to give us a sense of where the market is today and what the priorities are for broadcasters in this peculiar and profoundly troubling time as we plot a course forwards during the 2020s. My name is John Watts. I'm senior advisor and co-founder of a strategic consultancy called MTM. I've been working as an advisor in the USA and Europe for almost 25 years now, sadly, or delightfully, I should say. And this topic, broadcasters and the digital transformation of the industry has been very much my focus for almost all of that time, I'm pleased to say. Anyway, you're not here to hear from me. You're here to hear from our fantastic panel. So let's dive straight in. Paula, do you want to introduce yourself and give us your sense, first of all, of what digital market are broadcasters really competing in against who for what and how are they doing from a share point of view? So thank you for having me. I'm Paola Colombo and I'm responsible for tech and business development. So the digital transformation of uh, Publicalia, Mediaset Sales House. Uh, Mediaset is the leading broadcaster for the Italian market and uh, Spain. So that's a very interesting question. So broadcasters are competing on a lot of fronts nowadays. So in specifically in digitals, of course, we are competing you know, with other broadcasters, but mainly with, you know, the OTTs and we are competing for attention in a way. So for consumers' attention. So we speak about the OTTs, but also, uh, you know, all the uh, big platforms like the Googles, the YouTubes, the Facebook that entertain and, you know, take uh, attention share of the users away. And, you know, gaming platforms can be one. TikTok is another rising star. And on a different front, we have also telcos, you know, that they are reinventing, re-engineering their own business and, you know, they're growing across several products. So, of course, it's a very busy landscape. It's a very successful landscape where we've been having, you know, a healthy business for several years. And now we have to adapt to the digital play field, which is, you know, has slightly different rules. But listen to you talk, it sounds like you're competing against multiple companies on multiple fronts. <laughs> And that's the case. <laughs> that's the case, especially for us that, you know, we're having such a big piece of the market in Italy. So we are really the incumbents. And uh, of course, you know, like the Roman Empire, you have people attacking from several sides. But it's not only, you know, about defense. So what we're trying to do is, of course, we are looking at, you know, what works in the market and what we could replicate, you know, in our OTT, in our spot platform, uh, in other vertical products that we are building, maybe outside of the video space specifically. And we are, you know, working on data. So we take the best of the market and we are trying to drive our own way of development while, of course, defending our core business. Well, it, it's the first time I've heard Mediaset compared to the Roman Empire, but I'm sure we will return <laughs> We will return to that <laughs> metaphor later on. Bill, tell us a bit about who you are and give us your sense. You know, what do broadcasters compete with today and how are they doing in defending their share of the digital market? I'm Bill Gash. I'm sales director for Ascendant in Europe. 
Ascendant is one of a number of platforms and products that CSG provides sort of tier one service providers and media brands. So that includes pay TV operators and telcos and then Hollywood studios and broadcasters. All of those businesses are now competing for the attention, time, uh, loyalty and spending power of today's digital consumers. The world is intensely competitive and a lot of our time is spent helping our clients recognize what are the real complex business problems that they're trying to solve. And we're providing solutions like Ascendant, which is a monetization platform to help them be more effective in terms of how they engage those customers. Broadcasters specifically are in discovering, I think it's a very exciting opportunity for these organizations, a whole new world of direct-to-consumer. Uh, in the past, they've perhaps become over-reliant on somebody else acting as a gatekeeper between them and the end customer. They really want to be successful in the future. A core part of their strategy has to be B2C. And, and how would you say broadcasters you know, are doing in defending their market share today? You know, how has their share changed over the course of the last decade? I think if you look at the, the metrics that broadcasters used to count and the ones they have to count now, there's a, 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 that's an area of, of serious transformation. Um, only a couple of years ago, I remember being in a, a presentation from uh, the uh, head of programming for Sky and talking to the audience about you people are still counting overnights and barred data and those types of numbers in terms of audience. Whereas in Sky's world, as he put it, they were in counting engagement and really tracking in minute data uh, detail uh, to what extent consumers spent time with their products and services and content. And I think that's what broadcasters need to look at now. When they count share, uh, they need to look and have a much more accurate definition of share of audience. Uh, we've seen obviously the metrics that they use to uh, certainly uh, sort of reflect value to advertisers struggle to keep up with catch-up viewing, with uh, recorded viewing, as well as live linear viewing. And that, that problem's just going to continue to evolve. But I think broadcasters are beholden to demonstrate evidence of engagement themselves with that sort of direct-to-consumer model, whether they're funding it through an advertising business model or a paid-for business model. But better data, data and deeper insight is the future for them. Okay, and then last but not least, Stefan, give us your sense. You know, when you're sitting there thinking about your competitive set, who are your competitors and how have they impacted your digital market share over the last decade or so? My name is Stefan Korubel. I'm, I'm uh, CEO of RTL Ad Connect, the uh, international ad sales house of RTL Group. A little bit like my, um, my colleagues here around the table, we have multiple competitors from uh, local competitors to global competitors in many ways from linear to non-linear on the VOD field from SVOD to AVOD, the OTT, ATV, to be honest, this is a very, very complicated market we are fighting against. Uh, and lately we've been fighting against a, a more fierce one. It's called COVID-19. And I can tell you uh, this is tough. So um, in any case, since it's a, a multiple competition and on multiple grounds, we have defined our strategy as total video. We don't think today as linear TV or online video on one side and uh, in a silo effect. I think, or we think at RTL Group that, you know, consumers are accessing our content in whatever mode they want, in the way they want, the way they choose, when they like it. And we consider this as a total video world. So the battle for us is the, for the share of attention 
for you know the connections with the consumers. That's the battle we are we are in. Um, and when it comes to um, our share, well, I think we've been growing our digital share as a group over the last uh, over the last decade. You know, as many other uh, media group have done. But I think uh, for us, if we uh, if we just look at you know the beginning of the early days of COVID in April. Uh, we saw that the impact on linear TV was extremely uh, important in terms of viewing time. Just to give you a few ideas, in the UK, we talked about plus 15% in viewing time. In France, plus 36% in viewing time at early days of April. In Italy, we were talking about plus 42% in linear TV viewing. And at the same time, when you look at digital, uh, when you look at our own and operated platforms, uh, again, if I take UK, plus 15% of uniques on ITV Hub, plus 44% on Cisplay. And again, in Italy, I will take Rai as an example, it's plus 100% in terms of uniques at the early days of, uh, of, of, uh, of, of COVID. So what we see is, is a very general push and increase of consumption of video as a uh, as a whole, whether it's linear or non-linear, whether it's on TV or traditional TV set or on a, or on a PC or on a mobile. And definitely, uh, this is something that we are, we are raising. I took a few um, numbers from the uh, latest quarterly results of RTL Group that I can give you. Uh, we've, been, we've been increasing year on year of 34% our reach of subscribers on our VOD uh, platforms, TV Now and, uh, and Videoland, to reach uh, 1.6 million uh, nearly. And we're going to ramp up this until five or six million. That's the uh, idea. That's our objective within the next few years. And at the same time, our streaming revenues grew as well of about 20%. So even in COVID time. So um, what we see, of course, there's a big, big, big challenge at the moment and a big pressure on TV or traditional TV. But on the other side, we see that there is a growing opportunity from a digital front. Of course, we're comparing pennies and dollars. That's a little bit the issue at the moment, but nevertheless, the trend is quite is quite positive. So that's really helpful, I think, to set the scene. Um, Bill, I'm going to turn to you now to see if you would care to play agent provocateur or perhaps barbarian at the gate of the RTL and Roman I am Empire. Boss. Absolutely, yes. Uh, I, I, my, my lips are sealed. Do you think, in general, Europe's broadcasters should be happy with how they've responded to this huge uptick in competition during the course of the last decade? You've just heard Stefan and Paola set out some genuinely impressive numbers. Digital is clearly growing, but there's a lot of people are growing SVOD and AVOD revenues. The market is becoming, as you say, much more competitive. If you can talk in very general terms, should big commercial broadcasters be generally happy with how they've done? Or actually, should they be deeply nervous about the last five years and even more nervous about the next five? Well, clearly, I could make a lot of friends or a lot of enemies by answering this question, so I'll be very careful. I think there's a good phrase, which is, you know, we are where we are. In many organisations, you have relatively new management who perhaps inherited a situation that wasn't of their own making. I think we typically sit down with organisations that We'll occasionally put hands up and say, Mayor Culpa, you were right. You came to see us five years ago. We should have listened to you then. But that's very rare. Um, so we are typically helping organisations address the problems they've got now rather than 
go back and jab and point fingers or help them sort of attribute blame in their own organization. The reality is broadcasters have had a successful business. And as uh, Stefan quite point, pointed out, where you have a situation, a very unusual situation where people are confined to their own homes, desperate for ways to be entertained, inevitably their consumption of video goes up, whether that's live view, what, uh, watching live TV, particularly news uh, at the present time, for example, or on-demand entertainment and uh, some recorded content. What happens after COVID goes away is going to be more interesting. And many of our clients are already at a point where they're saying, right, we've managed to sort ourselves out to run the business right now, but this isn't going to go on forever. It's the new abnormal, as we like to say. What mm -hmm. is going to replace it? What will the future look like? So I think to answer your question, let's not worry about the past. There are certain, certain broadcasters who perhaps could be accused of complacency, who perhaps didn't perhaps realize the threat that Netflix or Amazon posed, um, or even Disney Plus uh, when it launched Disney Life in the UK, posed some time ago. But they are where they are now. Our proposition is focus on what you do best, creating or sourcing or commissioning or making great entertainment, bring in the best partners you can find, who are the best companies, best of the best, if you like, in technology, help them make your company successful in this era and speed things up, speed your ability to innovate, launch new products, refine new services, introduce new offers to your consumer, engage them more deeply and build that loyalty that I described earlier, which is the real battleground, as Stefan pointed out. Retain your customers, build that loyalty. You're just going to get smaller and smaller over time. And regardless of whether your business model is advertising or subscriptions, you're going to be trying to make money with a smaller business. Paula, so I think Bill has played more sage counsellor than Barbarian <laughs> at the gate. If you were to give Europe's broadcasters very generally, you know, marks out of 10, where 10 is exceptional and one is desperately needs to do better in terms of how they've dealt with digital over the last five years, what would your score be? Never a 10. You know, there's always room for improvement and motivation right. for improvement. No, but I would say it's a six and a half, let's say. Okay. So I think, I think sometimes we haven't felt the urgency to do. So we always been in digital. Historically, we were one of the first to launch a digital OTT back in the days. And it worked and it was always, you know, oversold and it was growing steadily. Um, and then, you know, we accepted that there were the, you know, the digital uh, players coming in and, you know, we felt the pressure, but still we never really realized that the change could happen really quickly. And then, you know, we have sped up and now it's definitely a priority and has been dealt as a priority in the past, you know, two, three years for sure. But, you know, I've seen a nice presentation from Teres Cavaja from Lumas Partners and he has this amazing slide with a plane. And what he said is like, broadcasters have to switch their engines in flight. So it's a very difficult exercise because you're always wondering, Am I doing, you know, am I growing my business or am I cannibalizing myself? You know, am I moving to a battlefield where, you know, I'm not as powerful as I was before? I think now it's clear, you know, we are going around and sitting in panels or going around in conferences and having, uh, you know, conversation as, as Stefan, we have been um, in the EBX, you know, partnership among broadcasters. 
you know, that is key. Now everybody's focusing on digital. And again, to, to Stefan's point, it's not so much about digital anymore, it's about total video. And, you know, quoting again, Bill, so is that you have to go back to what you do best. And what we do best, you know, is finding and creating content for our consumers. And on the other side is we provide very effective advertising. And so it's just a matter of doing it with different tools. I saw Terry's presentation, which I think is on YouTube and can still be watched, and it was great. And my only slight anxiety about his airplane metaphor was that I think it may be the situation may be more akin to trying to add airplane wings to an oil tanker. It, it no, that of, was a matter. <laughs> that was a different <laughs> Stefan, very quickly, in a couple of sentences, marks out of 10 for the last five years. How would you rate Europe's broadcasters in responding to the, the challenges we've been talking about to this change in the competitive environment and the growth of digital? I think RTL Group has been very uh, has has put some initiatives from very be- from the very very beginning, I would say. So I would be a bit more uh, maybe don't get me arrogant or uh, or maybe ambitious. I would say uh, I would I would quote it a seven or eight uh, because from the beginning the strategy was really clear about total video. It's been a few years now. To be very honest, we're not here either to uh, to be the direct competitor of Netflix of or Amazon Prime. You know, we don't have those big pockets, and uh, it will not play. We will not play that game. You know, the, the 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 what we want is to play our game, and our game is orchestrated around three basic uh, uh, topics. It's really core, and core is content generating our own content, very strong content, high qualitative content, premium content. The second is about growth, you know, identifying the, the, the way to grow our business and our growing our businesses is to go on AVOD, is to go on SVOD, is to grow and to build our uh, national streaming platform and or streaming champions. It's not going on the field of Netflix. It's not to do to copycat Netflix. It's to grow our own national champions with a different pricing, with a different offering, with a different positioning. And the third part is about alliances and partnerships. We believe and strongly believe that even if at RTL Group, we are already a conglomerate or partners within uh, Europe, we think that if we want to fight against the big ones, we need to build up alliances. We need to build up alliances in streaming. This is what we do, for instance, in France with Salto. And basically, we only not only do that for a content perspective, partnering with TF1 and France Television, so the public sector, to have a global TV offering, I would say. We're also partnering from the tech perspective. The back end, which is called Bedrock, is a joint partnership. It's a joint venture with all the different broadcasters that are taking a stake in this. Including RTL Group, so we're not alone in this. On the on the on the on the advertising field, it's the same. RTL at Connect is a, some kind of an international alliance. We're not only uh, working with uh, RTL Group companies. We're working with ITV, with Rai. We just launched a new uh, VMP Connect that allows everyone to buy a programmatic campaign uh, across four markets and th- and soon very much more markets around Europe from a single the DSP seat across, you know, Antenna 3, ITV, uh, uh, MCs and, and, uh, and IPD in Germany. So again, we think that the future of broadcasting will go through alliances and that, that's very important. We cannot do it on our own. It, it- 
It's a really interesting point, and I'd, I'd love to come back and talk a bit about that in a moment. Yeah. Let's start just quickly by deep diving into AVOD and thinking about the advertising part of the puzzle. Um, I, I'm going to start with Paola here, because I know obviously this is something you care deeply and passionately about. In your view, what does the roadmap ahead for AVOD services look like? My sense is that most broadcasters have rolled out, you know, the last decade or more, very successful digital ad-funded products, which are widely available, they generally perform pretty well and they've been scaling quite nicely. Do you agree? Definitely. And actually, um, we have been working on that for for some time in Italy. So we are going uh, to, you know, we're looking at backend merges uh, in Italy in the market because of the market share we have. We cannot sell uh, digital and linear TV together. So that's a bit unfortunate, but... Hopefully there will be evolutions on the uh, regulatory side, you know, since we have the Googles and the Facebook doing everything. Um, so we're working on the back end of joining them. And we've also worked with the Italian uh, jig for tv uh, Auditor, so that they are uh, looking at a cross-platform um, video measurement. It's called Auditor 2.0 that's aimed at measuring total video. So they are uh, already done the first uh, kind of measurement. The second step that's going to be automated in one or a year and a half is going to be to deduplicate heads in based on a panel and so that we could sell our inventory across uh, any device. And that's, you know, effectively, that's also what the consumers are starting to do. You know, they think of the content. They're not necessarily connected to the platform they're watching the content in uh, or, you know, advertiser. They need to reach that consumer no matter what the platform as long as it is effective. So absolutely, you know, the total video landscape is there. And the other one is addressability. Uh, that's becoming more and more crucial. We are seeing it growing massively. So our connected TV, addressable TV offering is growing so much. And despite of COVID, um, it's having exponential growth. Uh, it's really an offering that's interesting. It's worked out quite well with, you know, lockdown with regions starting uh, at different speeds, um, and we are having more and more use for that. So I think I see these two strategic uh, development for Avod. And then the third one would be, it's, if, you, if you want a sort of upweight, you know, the closing the cycle with the consumer, uh, you know, leveraging on these huge uh, customer base, if you want, you know, viewer space that we have, uh, we can use it to upsell and maybe sell them our spot service and create a more seamless customer journey between you know, the avid piece and the spot piece. That's a really interesting summary of, of the priorities. So integration, addressability, and then upselling and cross-selling more effectively. Bill, does that make sense to you as a strategy for growing AVOD revenues? If your CEO came to you and said, Bill, we're going to double down on these three, would you be broadly happy? Um, I think we, I think we're uh, highly sympathetic to any organisation that says we want to have as much flexibility in terms of how we monetize our rights or the content we own and create, um, and how we engage the audience uh, for the reasons I gave you. I think the uh, the, the reality is I'm, I am a little confused when you talk to the media business. They tend to blow hot and cold on advertising. You don't have to go back very far to hear major, uh, so senior executives in broadcaster companies talking about how they want to diversify their revenues, they want to look for other lines of business, they want to move away from an, an over-reliance on the ad business, which is highly cyclical, uh, which can be very volatile, as you saw this year with COVID-19 and the impact that's had on the ad business. Um, 
and which they have very limited control over, where in most markets they are regulated in terms of how much inventory they have and they can sell. So um, I, 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 I hear what you're saying. I think our view for many of the clients we work with, like NBC in the UAE or even Formula One, is they want to draw the consumer through a funnel where they can start off registering them so they're a user, they have an identity, they have a profile, they can start learning about that user, and that user may just spend time with their brands on a free ad-funded basis. But the more insight you can gather, coming back to my earlier point about being a data-driven, customer-centric organization, is that broadcasters then have a platform where they can start learning about that consumer in, creating, in terms of creating more personalized experiences, for example, but also start thinking about well, what sort of relationship could this consumer have with us? Is it always going to be free and ad-funded? Or might I be able to introduce them to paid-for products? Um, or in other forms of transact a transactional relationship. So we you, you start from there. We will work with clients that want to do some ad-funded business into their into their offerings. Uh, we don't, we'll, we'll work with a Yo Space or you know the ad decisioning uh, and uh, ad insertion businesses uh, typically to do that. Um, but our focus is helping our clients build out that sort of deep prof profile around the consumer or the audience member. Um, and then start learning from that as to what sort of relationship that person wants to have with them over time and build that long-term loyalty. So, Stefan, I, I, my guess is that you would agree violently with everything that Bill and Paula have said, that <laughs> the priority for growing AVOD revenues is integration of previously disparate pools of inventory, its addressability, its upselling, and an insane focus on the customer experience and the customer journey. Do you agree? Of course. Yes, of course. I'm, I'm a peaceful guy. No Let's worry. Talk. In that case, <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. Let's talk a bit about Corona because you met, you mentioned some really interesting stats earlier. But there's obviously a huge amount of talk at the moment about the spike in in-home viewing. And a lot of that is going to broadcast to AVOD services. But at the same time, consumers are trying out new things. There's a lot of talk about the growth of streaming services, for example. What do you think viewing is going to look like when we come out of Corona? And what does that mean for AVOD services? So I, I do not have, of course, a crystal ball. What we have noticed so far is in the linear services, of course, there, there's been a, a huge um, increase of the daily viewing that I mentioned earlier. What is interesting to see is who are those people who came back to uh, linear traditional TV? And uh, surprisingly, it's the light viewers and the youngsters. So the youngsters, they rediscovered, you know, the good old uh, TV set to get the information from, you know, because I think also this generation is getting a bit more critical about what's going on, you know, online, which is for good reason or not good reason, maybe less, uh, I would say, uh, how do you say the uh, legislated, you say that in English? Uh, with, uh, you know, you have less restrictions, so uh, you need to make your own opinion, whether it's fake news or not. And I guess that TV has really this uh, disadvantage, what we provide in terms of news and information and entertainment, it's really high quality premium and definitely done by, uh, by journalists when it comes to news. So, and so no fake news. So we, we think that, of course, there will be a, a slowdown coming back. You know, uh, we, we already notice it from the, uh, the different lockdown exit strategy that came around Europe. You know, as soon as people are allowed to go outside, then you see the ratings going down. It was extremely nice weather as well. So, um, but we feel that we're going to keep a chunk of it. 
So this is good and this is our challenge. Uh, what we see is on the online side, uh, we, we will continue to grow. Uh, this is really what uh, we, we think because people have had the, 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 the possibility to discover what we can, uh, we can propose them. So it's not only reruns or uh, uh, VOD, it's also originals that we are creating. Yes, there is this issue at the moment with the production. But I can tell you, um, you know, from a production perspective, to answer Bill, uh, we have some ideas, and 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 honestly, we put it in place already. If you look at the show that we produce through Fremantle, uh, like uh, American Idol, we've been able to continue to produce American Idol in the U.S. Uh, from a garage, from the host. Uh, uh, so a, a different light, you know, a, a lot lighter way of producing. Uh, using uh, the, the different digital capacities of webcams, etc., that are around. You know, in Belgium, we have a daily show that we call the 71. It's a, a little bit of a show like all against others, like a big wall and uh, people are participating. We just introduce a, uh, a, an interactive show only online and, and people are logging in through their webcams and are participating live to the show. This is now possible. You know, a few years ago, we tested it. It was not such, such, so successful due to the internet. But now, thanks to broadband, I think we can, we can imagine so many things uh, for the future in terms of interactions. So I think you're saying that, that post-corona, we will see a continued resurgence in consumption of TV. It will clearly decline a bit as people leave home yeah. and come out of lockdown, but we should yeah. see some experimentation in terms of new formats. Yeah. Let's turn and talk a bit about SVOD because we, we've got just under 10 minutes left and it's the other core pillar of digital revenues. Um, Bill, how many European broadcasters do you think in 2025 will have 5 million or more paying SVOD subscribers? I always like this, John. You always do this at conferences. It's get the crystal ball out and start. Everyone has a punt. I'm troubled at the at the conflicting messages we hear from the broadcast at the moment. I think the difficulty that actually Stefan pointed out, there's a, a growing awareness that we've got to do something. And perhaps coming a little bit late, a lot of organizations are starting to team up and form joint ventures. Uh, so that's a good sign. It's perhaps realizing that together they're stronger. So I, I think that could actually be interesting because a service like Salto, for example, or Join uh, and others are really going to uh, start creating a, a, a sort of more so sort of critical mass in terms of a destination for the consumer to enjoy. How you carve up who owns those customers between the different broadcaster partners is a bit more challenging. Some of those organizations are coming back with something we hadn't really seen uh, two or three years ago. I think the more important topic is going forward COVID, we talked about this just a moment ago, has changed a lot of people's behavior, whether it's being forced to work from home and discovering they quite like it and their employees, employers quite like it too, through to people taking up online shopping, which they maybe not have done so much before, through to consuming entertainment. Um, even using Zoom or Teams or whatever we're using today, it illustrates uh, that people can be highly adaptable uh, when, when the situation demands it. What we'll be interested to see is how much of that behavior goes back to what they, the, the normal before COVID is more, uh, is more permanent. And the competition, I think, is only going to intensify sure. for those businesses that perhaps have seen an uplift in subscription numbers. SVOD services, for example, um, over the last few months 
and are now starting to figure out, well, how do we keep the customers we've acquired in rather unusual circumstances? Okay. Um, Paola, what's your view on the SVOD opportunity for Europe's broadcasters? Are you betting the house on a huge uptick in SVOD revenues at Mediaset? I wouldn't say, you know, it's, it's one, it's one um, how do you say, it's another way of, of interacting with the consumer and, you know, differentiating the business. Uh, whether it's successful or not, we've seen very encouraging signs. Of course, you know, we have this opportunity, why not? So we, we are in these and we are experimenting. We see, you know, I, I think the spot system will also develop. You know, there are already several um, models in the market, you know, whether you might be more of a distribution platform or you're more a content owner uh, having your own program. So it's a whole new world to explore and it makes sense for us to do since we have the viewer relationship, we have the data on what these viewers like to watch. And so for us, it's easy to customize, you know, an offering for them. Uh, and we also have our own production. So uh, why not? Would that be a game changing? Probably not. Uh, but it's definitely adding more richness and also gives us the opportunity to experiment to tap into different content as well. So I think it's a it's a very sensible and, and strategic thing to do. There's been a lot of talk at the moment, of course, about hybrid models. So an AVOD layer, uh, an AVOD plus ad, sorry, AVOD plus an ad light subscription layer, and then a no ads or less VOD layer, a bit like Peacock or Hulu and so on. Do you think these models will work with consumers? I think they need to be dynamic. I, I, so we, we've done lots of studies yeah, so with our data scientist team. So we have segmented all our audience of our OTT and we are looked, you know, what the tolerance, you know, because of ADV advertising they had. And I think, you know, it's something that's so dynamic, it, could cha it can change month by month, literally. So I think it's worth having all the levers ready and then you have very, you have to be very fluid and adapt with time. Okay, Stefan, do you, do you think the sort of AVOD plus SVOD combinations are going to work with European TV audiences? Yeah, we we certainly believe there will be uh, different models to address different needs and different capabilities as well. You know, don't forget that people do not have uh, unlimited budgets ahead of them. You know, if you look at the US, the most advanced market, I think they 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 already pay quite he heavy amount to get access to TV, something around $100 and $120 a, day, a week, um, a month, I'm sorry. So meaning that uh, even if you take three subscription, Netflix, Amazon, and uh, another one, Hulu, for instance, it's still cheaper than what you pay for TV. In Europe, I think it's a bit different. There will be, of course, multiple subscription, and uh, but there will be a, also a, a certain level that people will not take. So they will not take 10 different offers at a time, I don't think, or maybe a, a few of them. So we need to address all of them. We need to address the one who are really seeking, oh, I want my program and I don't want to be bothered by ads, that's clear, and I'm I can afford to pay. Okay, no problem. We can also address those ones. That's pure SVOD model. We need to address, on the contrary, the other side of the spectrum, the one who feel that no, they want to access, but they are happy to to be interrupted, like they've been interrupted for the last 50 years with the TV uh, offering or traditional TV offering. So that's the pure AVOD model. And we we also saw that from the US, you know, Hulu type of approaches 
hybrid model, different tiers, low subscription level, less ad loads. You can combine this with another uh, subscription like Spotify, whatever. Makes sense also to a part of the population. It also leads us to uh, potential global agreements with telcos that we can imagine in the different countries uh, in order to provide the best and uh, the, the most accurate product to the consumers. Our aim is to be able to satisfy the different, uh, the, the different uh, spectrum of consumers, to be agile, to be flexible, and to be reactive. That's what we are planning to do. You were mentioning 5 million subscribers. This is the aim of RTL Group within the next few years to reach between 5 and 7 million subs in terms of SVOD offers across uh, across our offering and uh, we will we will do what what it, whatever it takes to achieve it and hopefully we will but of course it's a it's a long long run and uh, you need to have also uh, a very clear strategic uh, vision about you know content what you want to put and uh, and and how much you want to spend for it Okay, we are just about out of time, I'm afraid. So we have time for one very quick final question. A couple of sentences only from each of you. Bill, I'll start with you. Give us some thoughts on the priorities ahead. So if you were running a big broadcast business in Europe today, the, the single most important thing that you want to get right during the next 12 to 18 months to grow your digital business would be what? What do you think is the big thing that's got to happen? I think you've really got to sort of assume that COVID and the pandemic and all the impacts that had is has created a great learning opportunity. It's helped a lot of companies understand their consumers better or should have. Um, and it also means they've got to be able to react very quickly for when things start moving back to whatever the new normal will look like in the months ahead. Um, our view is start thinking qu quickly about how you can adapt your service to suit the times uh, we're working with companies that want to be able to gift their access to their service, for example, um, because they know that consumers want to treat one another or businesses want to treat their employees through gifting entertainment. You have to be able to work with things that allow you to switch those types of features on and off incredibly quickly if you're going to seize those sort of opportunities with the level of um, uh, speed required. So our view is uh, look to become agile, more responsive, data-driven, customer-centric, and move away from assuming that the only answer to do that is to build technology. Stefan made a great comment about getting together to build common platforms. We've got 25 clients using a common platform called Ascendant offered on the SaaS model, and that's working. Okay, thank you, Bill. Stefan, the big priority for the next 12 to 18 months? Well, the biggest priorities for us is to, uh, we need to simplify this uh, super complex ecosystem. So simplify the access to our inventory. This is what we do with uh, VMP Connect or with DeForce in uh, in Germany, or uh, you know, uh, single DSP access to uh, online video and uh, NATV. We want, I think, from a tech perspective, I think it would be good to be more in charge of our own highway. We need to build our own highways, meaning our own access to our inventory. We cannot do that on our own as a single broadcaster. It needs to be an alliance with different broadcasters in Europe, but there is still time to do it. And maybe the, the, the third part is about VOD as a whole, premium content VOD platform, and then test, 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 whether it's AVOD, SVOD, hybrid. So we'll see. And Paola, a final word from you, the big priorities ahead as you see them during the next 12 to 18 months. So that's definitely for us, you know, it's total video. We, we are just launched during the COVID times, so we're gonna progress with that. 
And that also comes with the measurement because, of course, you need that clarified, you know, cross media if you want to launch total video. And then I would agree uh, with what Stefan said, you know, the flexibility because there are, we are in, you know, times where things change extremely quickly. Consumers adapt to everything very quickly. And so we have to build a flexible structure to, to adapt. Paola, thank you so much. And a thank you to thank all you. of our panel for sharing some of your thoughts. Long live the empire. Um, <laughs> and good luck in the coming months. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Make sure to subscribe for all future episodes as we deliver more MediaTel conversations. <laughs>